Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now, here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey, military moms, this is Sandra Beck, and Robin Boyd has the day off. We're visiting today with Linda Crater, and Linda Crater is the founder of VeteranCaregiver.com. And as many of you guys know, I am a veteran caregiver. I take care of my 84-year-old dad. And I'm so excited to talk to Linda today because there are so many issues facing veteran caregivers today, and the, the face of veteran caregivers has changed, you know, where I think people think about me as a more traditional veteran caregiver where my dad's 84 and he's elderly and he served, you know, in the 50s. So um, that's one model. But then there's also veteran caregivers that are taking care of 18, 19, and 20-year-old veterans. So they can be sandwiched in between having a child and a parent uh, in that sandwich generation kind of, of um, model for taking care of veterans. So Linda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sandra. Glad to be here. You know, when you think of veteran today, it's really different than it was in in other years past, don't you think? I do. I think the mental image you have when you think of veterans is someone older, wise, uh, the, the grand generation, and you don't stop to think that veterans run the gamut from 18 to 100 years old. That's amazing when you think of that, 18 to 100 years old, right? Because many of our World War II veterans are, are celebrating those century birthdays. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So those taking care of them have also changed. So it varies from someone who's been married to their veteran for six months and they became injured. And it goes all the way to someone who has been living with someone for a very, very long time or is a second marriage or is a sibling, a a parent, a a spouse, a friend. The caregivers don't have any true stereotypical labels anymore. They fit every single model you can think of. Well, and you're right. It's different. You know, I know of a sibling who's taking care of a sibling veteran and, you know, they're in their twenties and they're both guys like that, that, you know, when you think of the word caregiver, like I always think of like, you know, that, that Robin Williams nanny character, you know, like, oh, that's right. a caregiver, um, Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> you know, that's what comes <laughs> in my head. But, you know, these days, you know, a caregiver can be a 20 year old taking care of their roommate. Well, and the the thing that you don't have when you're looking at the younger caregivers is the wisdom that comes with being in a long-term relationship before this happens. So if you have someone very young and they're injured very quickly, you really don't have a lot of preparation. No, no. And the family, you know, the family has to adjust many times. I think of one of the families that I'm very close to, and they do have an injured, uh, they have an injured son, and he has four brothers and sisters. So what an impact that has made on the household, because you have the needs of the veteran, but you also have the needs of, in this case, his brothers and one sister who are still in school. You know, they're in high school, they're in uh, middle school. So what a shift in the family to a new normal. There's a huge shift and there's an increasing number of wounded warriors, recovering warriors 
who are in families that have a special needs child or caring for an older veteran as well, the sandwich caregivers that you talked about earlier. So yes, the complexion has changed immensely on the types of caregivers and they're what they have to take care of, whether the conditions and illnesses are same, different. No, they've changed per conflict, basically. So tell me about that. What does that mean they've changed per conflict? Well, if you go back to the World War II, you had uh, a lot of mobility amputations. There was, of course, PTSD has been around as long as there have been conflicts and trauma. Then but the they used cor- to call it battle fatigue, right? Like they call it battle fatigue, that, and, battle fatigue. Yeah, there, there were four or five renditions of names, uh, battle shock, um, all kinds of things that they called it, but it, it is in essence what we now call, and it's defined as PTSD, post-traumatic stress and, uh, disorder have a lot of traumatic brain injury and explosions. You have PTSD accompanying a lot of this. And you also have the usual mobility issues. Well, and, you know, those things are pretty, pretty rampant these days. And, you know, they make a big difference in a lifestyle. And, you know, one of the things that that I hear a lot from from not only the caregivers, the veterans, and then the family members, as well, is they have difficulty sleeping. Sleeping is a very tough problem. And what happens when you don't get enough sleep? Many things. Many things. You know, as many of the listeners know, and I think I mentioned this earlier, I've got a pretty full household. Um, Not only am I a full-time working mom, and I'm single and soul-supporting of a 10-year-old boy and a 14-year-old boy, but I'm also a veteran caregiver for my 84-year-old dad who lives with us. And you know, Linda, sleep is so important because when I don't get my Zs, I'm really no good to anyone. I'm sure you can attest to that. Oh, I'll, I'll do no comment on that, but you are right. Sleep is like gold. Well, and I get cranky and then I'm short with the kids and I'm easily frustrated with my dad and my work. And, you know, I can come into my office just like a bear with a sore paw and I get it. Like we all know sleep is important, but you know, I think about so many of our friends, Linda and our family and people we know who are currently serving or, you know, our veterans. And I know how much a good night's sleep means to them. And Mm -hmm. as a sleep number bed owner, it makes me proud to let everybody know, this is so exciting that during this month, sleep numbers honoring our nation's heroes with savings reserved just for them. So the sleep number bed lets you choose the comfort and support that's just right for you. And if your battle buddy is also your bedtime buddy, it adjusts on each side. So it's the perfect bed for couples. And the new sleep number beds, Linda, this is so cool. They're so smart. They sense your every move and automatically adjust to you sleeping comfortably. Like there's even an adjustment for snoring. I'm like, Isn't that cool? Yes, that's like, amazing. Does your bed do that? I'm um, afraid not. <laughs> I'm afraid not. Well, my sleep number setting is 36. And my sleep IQ last night, uh, the sleep IQ score last night was 74. So if you go into your local sleep number store for an exclusive savings just for military veterans, you're going to learn about the sleep number bed, the sleep IQ score. They're really, I mean, it's really fascinating. And these savings are just for military and veterans. And right now, the semi-annual sale is going on where you'll find final clearance savings of $600 on that pressure-relieving Sleep Number Queen C4 mattress, which is now just $999.99. Now, there are more than 550 Sleep Number stores. You can visit sleepnumber.com slash militarymom to find the Sleep Number store near you. Linda, sleep is everything. It is like liquid gold. I I really agree with you 100%, and the bed sounds fantastic. 
doesn't it? And, and you know, in the whole like, like the, you know, the sleep IQ score to score how well you slept last night and your sleep number settings. So, you know, you know, kind of like what to expect each night, because when I travel, I travel a lot for work. Sometimes I get a good bed in a hotel, but if, mm-hmm. boy, if that bed isn't good, I'm done. So tell me about the sleep IQ. Was the 74 a good sleep? Number? Well, it was for me because before, you know, before I started this, my sleep number, you know, was pretty low. I was, I was restless. I wasn't getting a good report, but you know, last night was a 74. I've got it up as high as 83, wow. but what it does is it helps me understand in my day, if I didn't have a good night's sleep, why I'm cranky, why mm. I'm tired. You know, it kind of gives me this little feedback. So if I know that I tossed and turned and I, you know, didn't have a good night's sleep, I kind of have proof. And then I know, hey, I could take a nap or I might work out later in the day or work out less. So, you know, these are some pretty cool things, um, this technology that can really help us make a difference. Well, you adjust mentally, I'm sure. Absolutely. You adjust to your new normal for the day. That's excellent. So let's talk about these new normals because, boy, when somebody comes to your home, and I can tell you this from my own experience, we had big adjustments. We had to move bedrooms. We had to mm-hmm. move furniture around. I, I had to get these headphones for my dad. Oh my gosh, Linda. Um, it was like a Harrier landing in the TV room. I mean, in order to hear it, he doesn't like his hearing aids because they bug his ears. And so in order to hear the television, he had to blast it. Oh, okay. And sometimes I'd be in the kitchen, Linda, and he'd be blasting, you know, the military heroes channel, channel or whatever they call mm-hmm. it now. Mm-hmm. And then I've got, you know, my 11-year-old, my 14-year-old blasting their music in their rooms. I wanted to like stick my head in the freezer and just <laughs> run the ice machine until, it was, <laughs> until I couldn't hear it anymore. Right. Did you know that hearing loss and tinnitus is the number one veteran in- injury? I didn't, but I'm not surprised. No, it's war is very loud. Yeah. Well, right. You think of those big, like he would talk about those 14 inch guns that they would fire on his battleship and he'd stand right there, you know, no hearing protection required. Well, even today, they're only now starting to give them hearing protection that is workable. But also think about the kind of wars we fight now. It's very difficult. Somebody, you're going house to house in some places. And so how do you balance your hearing safety with your hearing vigilance in terms of the bad guys? So it's, it's a very tough trade-off. So what you're saying, like that hearing safety versus hearing vigilance, it's like I need to be able to use my ears to hear the insurgent, but that also means that I'm hearing, you know, I'm hearing the, um, the, 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 the fire, the active, right. you know, and then what, and then the other thing is the percussive shock, right? That, that just, that can't be good. No, it damages your inner ear. It, it damages, even goes as bad as uh, dizziness and balance issues if it's bad enough. So hearing is very important. You get two ears, that's all. Right. Well, and then, you know, so we, we have the hearing thing in our household and, you know, I don't know how much attributed is to my dad's service and to his age, but the fact remains is he cannot hear certain tones. And so um, making those adjustments, you know, and the kids, the kids, Linda, they're like, they fall over laughing half the time because you have to laugh because it'll go something like this in my household. I'll be like, dad, I'm leaving to go to the store. And he'll go, the what happened to the door? 
And I'm right. like, the store, Dad, I'm going to go to the store. And he goes, oh, yes, we can use some more, um, we can use some more milk. And I'm like, you know, like, especially <laughs> my little one, he's like, mom, he's like, I don't know if he heard the word door, store, or more. And oh, we could go all fun. day on this stuff. And, um, you know, and it's hard because, you know, you want, you know, you want everybody to get along. You don't want anybody's feelings hurt, but, you know, managing kids, like, you know, at one point my household went from eight to 80 and there's a lot of us out there. There are, there really are. But just as an aside, the VA now has new ergonomic hearing aids. It is the number one uh, purchaser of hearing aids in the United States. And so things have changed from where you had hearing aid batteries and all kinds of things. These are ergonomic. They don't show and they're comfortable. So it might be time to take him back. Right. To check. Get another. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because when they don't want to, um, when they don't want to wear their hearing aids, it's not that's like- purposeful. Right. Right. But you know, the one thing is, <coughs> excuse me. Um, Veteran caregivers have to handle all the negative stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't want to brush my teeth. I don't want to change my clothes. I don't want to take a shower. I don't want to wear my hearing aids. And the thing that's most fatiguing for me, and I think it is fatiguing for everyone, is you know you did some great studies on you know put some social media questionnaires up and out there to to get the real pulse of what people are dealing with, is the energy it takes to get our veteran to do what they need to do, and then you finally get them to the VA, you finally get them to where they need to go, and they've kicked and screamed the whole way. And then they don't have your complete paperwork. And I'm not here to bag on the VA. I'm not here to say, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. But, you know, it is a big organization. And with every big organization, there's going to be things that fall through the cracks, appointments that are forgotten or misscheduled, you know, on both sides. Like, I get that. Like, you know, I'm not perfect and and the, the medical isn't perfect. But when you, like, killed yourself to get care for your kids after school, get your dad to his appointment. And then you get there and they're like, they don't, doctor's like, I can't do this. I can't, I can't take care of this because I don't have the file. Those type of things just take that veteran caregiver experience and make you want to just scream. We call it bureaucracy fatigue. There's very seldom compassion fatigue as often as there is bureaucratic and bureaucracy fatigue, because you are dealing with huge bureaucracies, agencies. This happens in the civilian world as well. But in the VA system where you're assigned, you know, there's the luck of the draw. You have good people and you have others that are doing the minimum. I think the hard thing for caregivers, especially if they're not from the uh, military side, is you need to learn the language. It has a language of its own. It does. And if you don't use that language, you're not in many cases going to get a lot of help with someone saying, did you mean to ask for the release of information officer? Uh, You know, things like that. If you say, I want to find out information and to mark my record as sensitive. So Linda, what do you think is one of the most common frustrations that people have you know, beyond working through, what did you call it, bureaucratic fatigue? Yeah, bureaucracy fatigue. It, um, it, it, there are other things. So you've got medical records that are 
often incorrect in either system, civilian or military. But you also have things like underdiagnosed uh, traumatic brain injury, for example. So someone is behaving at home very harshly, um, no filters on their language. They may forget things that you didn't expect them to forget. And instead, with the underdiagnosis, sometimes you have to fight to be, as the caregiver, their biggest advocate because you're with them 24-7. And so it's really important that you take a look at what's going on, that you document what goes on during the day. If there's new medication given, make sure that you are seeing if there's any change in behavior. And take a look at repercussions if you have questioned what's going on and they're not receiving it very well. These are things that you can manage up the chain if you are paying attention to doing it. But let's face it, they're tired and overburdened. But it does get to a point where the education has to be increased so that you know what to do when these kinds of things happen. And they're getting so smart and they are so resourceful. I am so very proud of these caregivers because no matter the era, they fight hard to get the best possible care and health outcomes for the veteran. Well, and, you know, it's interesting that you talk about that because, you know, I've had to fight and advocate, you know, for many things over the years. But the one thing that I forget about, and, you know, and I don't want to, you know, beat a dead horse. We talk about self-care, self-care, self-care. But I am the first to let myself run all ragged for the people that I'm giving care to. And, you know, when you're at the end of your rope, and you've just been run around between like groups and doctors and medical and, and waiting for things or asking for things to be faxed and emailed, you know, all those things just drain you down to nothing. And then you've got, in my case, like I've got little mouths to feed and I got to put dinner on the table. It's like a full-time job and it is so um, thankless. And draining. And draining. It's and true. I just, you know, I don't want to make this all negative, but but the the role of the veteran caregiver today is monumental. And so, the caregivers that are listening today, I just want to acknowledge the incredible role that they play mm-hmm. in taking care of our veterans, whether they have you know, internal injuries, external injuries, moral injuries, you know, all these things, the family has to shift, especially the caregiver to help this person so they can function after service. Absolutely. And self-care, it's very interesting. The pendulum has been swinging. In the beginning, it was almost well, it's like our society. There's pride and busyness. You know, I, I, I'm too, I'm too busy. I'm too working too hard. I can't take care of myself. I, it, it's part of my job to be run into the ground. That is no longer the case. People are realizing this is a marathon, not a sprint, and they are taking care of themselves. And the veterans are supporting it as well. So where we often got an eye roll, even just five years ago, with take time out. You can take two minutes of mindfulness for yourself. Don't say you can't take two minutes, something like that. It is now being seen as, you're right, I have to have it. Because if I don't feel full or even three quarters full, how am I going to give up any more time and mostly energy? The other thing is it'll drain you down so that you become depressed and anxious and 
that's where a lot of other bad things start to happen. So instead of letting them get into that spiral, caregivers are supporting each other these days by supporting the self-care, not mocking it, which is a really big change. And I'm so glad to see it. So it sleep is a big shift. It, it is, is. A big change. I mean, I know I remember the days when military wives were not allowed to complain. Right. You know, it was all this whispering in the kitchen. It was all this, you know, you know, we don't want anybody to really know how hard it is. And they just had to put this, you know, front up for everybody. And I get it. Like, you don't want to go mm-hmm. into a dinner party and, you know, blather all along about the difficulties. But having a place for those feelings to go and having a place and know that you're acknowledged. Right. That this is hard. Because I know one of the things that happened to me, Linda, it was... It was kind of like this fear monster mm-hmm. and that if I, I was so fragile at holding all this stuff together that if I just took a minute to think, like you talked about those like mindfulness minutes, mm-hmm. I didn't want to take them because I was kind of like in machine mode. Right. And I'm just robotic. doing, doing, doing robotic. I'm doing, I'm going, I'm not feeling, I'm just, I'm just doing my thing. And if I stop and I sit down and I rest, maybe I won't get up. Or if I take a break and I have to face the reality, because there were a couple years there between my small children and my dad and my foreclosure and my divorce, all these things. If I just stopped long enough to feel, I was afraid I wouldn't recover. Like I was afraid like that would be it. Right. And and it is a reality that, that could happen. But this is why you have to take small steps all along the way so that it doesn't get to that point. Caregivers are finding that if they don't take care of themselves, they end up in the hospital. And then all hell breaks loose because who's watching out for the household now? And so you can't let it go there. So you actually have a responsibility to take care of yourself so that you can continue to manage what is on your plate. And so it is very important. And what I love is that the more educated you become about the system, the language to use, uh, and, and just how to navigate, you start to feel empowered. And when you know more information about what the benefits are, what, your, um, what, they, what they can support you with and the programs that are out there, they're befuddled sometimes because you know more about the programs than the institutions do sometimes. But that makes a caregiver feel very, very empowered. And what I'm mostly seeing is that the peers, your mentors, those who are just like you, other caregivers taking care of others, no matter the era, they support each other so warmly these days. It's really wonderful to watch. So you're not alone. There are many, and there's a ton of social communities, secret groups, open groups, uh, communities online, and also in person. There are meetups. There are all kinds of things where you can actually see somebody in person, and I'm all for both of those. I am too, because the worst thing you can do is be completely alone to mm-hmm. be feel you're the only one because that's right. when like crazy things start happening in your head and you you just need a break from these things. And when I finally understood that taking care of myself was the best thing I could do for my family, mm-hmm. um, things started to shift in me, but I also had to give myself a break, (laughs) like not just the take a break, but give myself a break. Right. 
Right. Cause if you were doing this, I would be all over you. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, you know what you're doing is so great. And you know, how can I help you? How can I support you? Can I just give you a hug and listen to you and, you know, tell you how wonderful you are. That's how I would be towards you. To me, I'd be like, okay, you forgot the kid's lunch again. And now you got to run over there and you didn't pick up your dad's pills and he's going to run out of potassium and you know, right. Our brain. Well, are we not harder on ourselves than on anyone else? It's one of the reasons why the peer mentorship works so well, because we don't often advocate for ourselves. So having even that one person or another family member who says to you, why are you talking to yourself that way? Because your body feels what your mind tells it. It absolutely does. And so having one person to be able to talk to many, many more are taking counseling. It's offered to them. And so they're taking counseling, going to peer groups, you know, going to a coffee, you know, once every other week or something. It does help to talk to others that are about what you are. And quickly, it doesn't turn from a complaint session. It may start that way, but it shifts into what are your other interests? What do you love to do? Have you dropped a hobby that you used to love? Because pick it back up again. That was part of who you were. So a lot of people find that the small steps help or journal it. If you're living in an area where you can't find someone or you haven't found that person that you trust yet. So journaling is another way to do it. That's self-care too, because it gets out what's inside. Right, right. And words have power and words mm -hmm. have energy. One of the things I found really helpful with the groups that I belong to is just the great ideas. You know, I put a, a funny meme up in one of my groups a couple years ago about, you know, like my dad with the hearing aids and the Harrier mm -hmm. landing on the roof of my house. And, you know, I wrote some funny thing and a bunch of moms texted me and they're like, you need to get these headphones, the kind that you see on TV where you plug into the back of the TV and the wife's right. happily reading the, you know, the book in bed and the husband's listening to the ball. Right. You know, because I'm, I'm, I, at the time I was, I was in my early forties. I didn't even, I didn't even know. I knew those existed, but I never put the, like the dot from A to B to C together. Right. And she just wrote, she's like, here's a link to this product on Amazon. You plug it in the back of the TV. You know, they take batteries, they do eat batteries. And now I've got a, a rechargeable set, but give them these headphones. And she's like, they fit around your uh, hearing aids, or you can take them off and just crank them up and use them that way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my dad looks like the disco roller guy from the seventies. Oh, his, your dad's cool. Yeah. With his big <laughs> earphones on. Right. But he's listening to MSNBC. He's listening to Fox. He's listening to his old movies on AMC. I mean, he's, he's doing the things he loves. And guess what, Linda? I get to do the things I love, which is cook in peace. Yes, it is. So you yes, get these great is. ideas when other people, like we're not the first ones to walk down the road caring for elderly parents caring, mm -hmm. caring, and caring for parents with, with veteran injuries. So when you put your, you're vulnerable enough, like that, that was a hard one yes, for me to be vulnerable enough mm -hmm. to say, Hey, and now I'm, now I'm like, Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Who's got a solution. Like right. I don't focus on the struggle. I just say, here's the struggle in my household right now. Who's got a solution because other people have walked this road before me and they have wisdom. And I find Linda, when they give impart that wisdom to me, they are more likely to feel good about themselves the day later. When I talk to them, they're like, God, I was so glad I was able to help you. Like well, that. That's the empowering. It's, it works for both people. And oftentimes what we talk to caregivers about is if you're really down, 
help someone else today because it turns you around. You're so glad that you can impart something. It gives you a good feeling of self-worth and you have gotten wisdom that you can pass on. And it's, it's a marvelous way to take you outside of yourself if you feel yourself becoming isolated and wanting to be a turtle. Right? Even the prospect, like, because sometimes when I'm really overloaded, like the concept of doing something else for somebody in need is <laughs> right. a little tough right. for me to like put sure. on my radar. But one of the things that I do do, it's like I call it my mood buster. Okay. I go on to Facebook or LinkedIn or Pinterest or something, you know, whatever my, my social media of choice is, it's usually Facebook, but I like to scroll through people's profiles, like, you know, their feed. Mm-hmm. And then I find 10 nice things to say about somebody, 10 things to uplift somebody, like not the same person, but like Linda, you might put a picture up and I'll be like, Oh my gosh, your grandbabies are so cute. You guys, I can see the family resemblance that really made my day. Then I'll go on to another, another post. That's a great I'll, suggestion. I'll yeah. write something positive because I'm in there anyway. Right. And instead of letting Facebook sometimes defeat me because everybody else's life looks better than mine. All of a sudden it becomes this place where I can post nice things. And then like in 10 minutes, my mood has changed. Like I am a different person. But you've learned that. You've but it learned didn't cost that through hard experience. Right. And it's an excellent way to get outside of your head. Because our heads, when we overthink things, we end up distorting what's really happening because it's not pleasant. And so get out of your head by whatever means works. I personally love quotes. And I keep a list of uplifting quotes on my smartphone. And I just open them up and I read them. And before I know it, I'm smiling. Same thing with photographs. You really have the world in your hand with a smartphone these days music same thing right it'll change our state you know I do that it's like I have and you know what but it also works on the flip side I'm going to tell you like one of my little secrets you know sometimes we get so run down so strung out and just so crazy and you're even too tired to cry yes that's when I put on my sad songs. Like I have a whole playlist of just really sad songs. <laughs> I have a glad songs list. I don't have a sad song. I list. have both because sometimes <laughs> I need to get unstuck. Like, okay. you know, sometimes I need to be picked up for sure. You know, and then once I start, right. you know, I put them on, you know, I start playing them in my car and all of a sudden, you know, a couple of songs later, I'm like, Hey, I'm in a pretty good mood. Like, right. you know, and I forget about my bad mood or whatever happened, but there are times when I'm stuck. And, you know, it's like you could also go to YouTube and, and, you know. That's a very interesting, almost counterintuitive thing to do. Right, to force yourself. Well, I'm an emotional stuffer. So everything, all my emotions get stuck in there. And then when somebody says, what's wrong? All I come up with, I'm tired. And I'm not really tired. That's why tired. you need sleep, right? Right, that's why I need sleep. <laughs> but, I, but one of the things is when you're, when you're going 100 miles an hour with your hair on fire, mm-hmm. you're not really stopping to process each event and feel each feeling. You're just stuff, stuff, True. stuff, because I got to get through the day. Stuff, stuff, stuff. Right. And then like 8 o'clock at night, I'm washing my hair in the bathtub wanting to cry. Right. But I've gotten so good at stuffing and keeping it all together. So I put some deep conditioner in my hair. I sit back in the tub for 10 minutes and I listen to these really sad songs mm-hmm. and I start to cry. And I don't even know why I'm crying. It's not like I'm crying because of X, Y, and Z, but that relief of crying it's allows me to let it go. Well, they just had an article in the 
paper this week about how crying is a catharsis. It ignites all kinds of good hormones and, you know, it's a very good thing to do. Right. But it's a controlled crying. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a strong front in front of my kids. I try not to, um, you know, cause they worry, you know, I need try not they, to burden them. Right. right. And that's an NTK. Like it's a need to know basis. My dad mm-hmm. had a small stroke, uh, last Friday and the kids were like, well, grandpa's acting funny. Grandpa's having trouble remembering. And I said, okay, well, you know, this is what happened. And, you know, he had a little boo-boo in like his brain and, mm-hmm. um, it happens and it's going to get better. And it is, it's all better now. You know, we didn't okay. have any lasting effects from it, you know, but I didn't try to pretend it didn't happen because that kind of screws with their reality. You know, you got to let them something happened, right. I needed to let them know at an age appropriate level what happened. Smart. That's smart. You know what I'm loving seeing is that caregivers are now writing books about their realities and even writing them for children. So a, a new book was just put out this week that was talking about, you know, this is my daddy and he's different. And it went on to talk with great illustrations about how they're different. What I'm loving is that there is obviously a look at the family unit now. It used to be that anybody would always look at just the veteran. Then they began to look at the caregiver. Now everybody realizes the entire family has served and has effects. And so we are learning how to take care of families better. And this is happening in the civilian world, too, because there's a lot of people in the aging population that are also dealing with dementia issues and Alzheimer's. And there's many new tools coming out. It's really quite an amazing age to be living in. Well, and it's about time. I mean, truly, because, absolutely, you know, the wives have picked up the slack, you know, while they're they're husbands are serving. And I'm just saying it in a gender way from traditional. I know a lot of women serve today and their husbands pick up the slack or their parents. Like in my case, on my street, I have a family that has two, we've got an air force and an army married together. And I was just going to say two vets is common these days. Two, two vets is very common these days. And you know, who's taking the brunt of the parenting while the, the, the veterans are getting their care is the grandparents. And That's it's right. So interesting to me because her father and his mother, them and their four boys, so there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight living in this house. They decided to pool their resources, sell their individual homes, buy a much bigger home. So one mom, one dad, the married veterans, mom and dad, and then the children all live in the household to make it work. Interesting. But that, to me, is reality these days. Mm-hmm. You have to find unusual ways to handle the unusual problems that are occurring. And I love how resourceful people are getting. That's brilliant. Is it working? It is. It is. I mean, they've been my neighbors like seven, eight years now, and the kids are great. And I talk, you know, because the, the grandparents are friends with my dad, you know, mm-hmm. we're a multi-generational household. Like it was, you know, like my parents were immigrants, so it wasn't uncommon for people to, right. you know, three families, the same family in the same row house, you know, or the same, um, you know, one lives on one floor, one li- grandma lives on the top, you know, that was very common, you know, for me growing up, but then everybody scattered and everybody had their own homes and everybody had their own this and that. Now I see it coming back together as a community and living together in multi-generations to be able to support each other. And it has a lot of value. The kids really benefit from being around the older folks and vice versa. 
and, and I love it. They're even taking a lot of children into veterans' homes. So you said, so you said they're bringing a lot of kids into veteran homes. Mm-hmm. They are. They're bringing children in because the youth are just naturally inquisitive. They take things very literally. They will say, what's wrong with you? Or why are you here? Or where's your you know, family? And they just talk. And it's delightful. And it works for both ways. And it uplifts spirits for the veterans and for the children. Well, and it's, you know, I think of my brother who lost his finger and, you know, they, he has his nieces and nephews rub the lucky stump. You know, there's like a little <laughs> stump. They're like, he's like, there's, there's a genie reality. in the bottle. There's the lucky stump. And, you know, we have. That's funny. Oh, I mean, it's, but you can make it part of your family yes. narrative because we have an Uncle Steve with 10 fingers and an Uncle Steve with nine fingers. So or nine and we, a half, you said. Yeah. So we, we call them Uncle Nines. We're like nines is on the phone and tens is on the phone and they know. <laughs> which Uncle Steve it is on each side of the family because the kids have Uncle Steve's on both sides, one with 10 fingers, one with nine. My younger son's like, is that the one with 10 fingers or nine? <laughs> That's a great story. And it really makes sense to, to blend the families. I actually think it's a good move to go to this multi-generational, if it's possible. It isn't possible for some families. No. There's, you know, it's, there's strife in some families and that that's a little harder to manage but what you're bringing up is not isolating yourself and that's really important so by sharing with other people what's going on by talking or getting out the door or you know sometimes caregivers really don't have too many options except going and sitting in the driveway getting in the car turning on the radio and just not answering the knocks on the windows if it comes to that take your 10 minutes it's yours well and i think you know, we're here a lot to give permission for things mm-hmm. that work. And, um, you know, the, the, the military in, knows this, but the first responders, too, that, that listen to our show and the wives of first responders, because, you know, many of our military personnel leave and go into police and fire. Right. You know, they get this in my neighborhood. You know, we live in the mountain fire zone and these firefighters are gone, you know, sometimes weeks at a time from their families, very similar to like little mini deployments. Mm-hmm. And right they have this respite weekend where the firemen take all the kids camping and the wives just get this weekend to themselves. And it was really funny because I went on one of these respite weekends, you know, they invited me. They're like, we're going to take your kids with my kids. My husband's, you know, two husbands are going to take your kids and take them camping and you're going to get a respite weekend. And so I kind of went on this respite weekend, even though I was a single mom and not married to a first responder. And do you know what the majority of the women did during that weekend? I'm going to guess sleep. Sleep <laughs> and talk. Yes. That's it. Sleep, talk, and eat. That's all we did from Friday morning till Sunday night. Like people would get tired, they'd go take a nap. And it was so funny because the moms were such moms. You know, they were all in these big houses. Um, you would cover them. You see a mom covering up a sleeping mom with a blanket. And then, you know, like one mom would wrap up food. So when she woke up, she wasn't hungry. So we were still doing our mom detail, but for each other. And we just needed a rest, just needed a break. So, you know, I used to think about like, what do I need most, Linda, in my caregiving experience? And what I need is time alone, knowing that everybody is taken care of. Like, that's what I need more than shoes and clothes and hair and, you know, all these other things that we think we need or we're told we need by advertisers and sponsors. 
going to a friend's house when they're gone for two days, knowing your kid's taken care of, and all you do is wander around and be by yourself? Very oh. valuable. No, but it is. And, and it, it feels good to not be so stimulated. We are so bombarded with data and information and noise these days. Isn't it pleasant to spend some time with your thoughts? Well, and I didn't know what to do the first time I went. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't, I really didn't know what to do because I was so used to every spare minute was cleaning, doing laundry, going grocery shopping, you know, catching up at work for the next day because I had to leave early or arranging a play date, arranging a pickup for my kid, you know, mm-hmm. the laundering the sports stuff. So it's ready for the game two days later when it's full right. of grass stains. Like there's like a million and one things you need to do. And then it's almost like I was shot into space. Yes. I was in this vacuum in a house that I didn't have to clean. I didn't have to stock. I didn't have to gas up my car. There was nothing for me to do. And I was up in the mountains. So my phone wasn't working. Like, you know, I could get a signal, but I couldn't like surf the net or do anything. And I just sat there going, I don't, for two hours, I don't know what to do with myself. But that's a learned skill. If you're so busy all the time, you've got to learn how to be alone with yourself. And that can be horrifying for some people. They don't really want to be alone with themselves. But it can also be wonderfully restorative if you can learn to take it in doses and and be kind to yourself. Again, we're talking self-compassion. Well, and the great thing was, is I just fell asleep on the couch. There you go. Like I was sitting there going like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with myself. And then I woke up to eat and I'm like, God, what do I, should I go to the movies? Should I go to the mall? I'm free. I could go out to a club. I could go out. And what did you feel like at the end of those two days? I felt like myself again. Isn't that wonderful? parenting and sandwich generation and veteran caregivers and working full time, all of that can make you a person you don't want to be and you don't really like, Mm -hmm. you know, like I remember when my mom was dying and she said to me, she goes, Sam, just remember, she goes, your kids are here for you to enjoy too. Mm-hmm. because I was so busy, you know, I was like the regimented commander going, all right, I'm going to get grandma to the hospital, grandpa to this hospital. I'm going to get to you to daycare. You're going to go to preschool. And mm-hmm. you know, I was like this whole machine. And she's like, don't forget to hold them. Don't forget to just sit with them and enjoy them. Um, I see why you missed your mom. Yeah. That was great wisdom. Pretty great wisdom. Excellent wisdom. Because when we're caregiving, Sometimes we do forget just to enjoy the person we're taking care of. That and to live in the moment. And we, we're such planners. And you have to be. You, you have, have to be to organized be. as a caregiver. You have medications to dispense. You have all kinds of things you have to do. But you also have to take time for you to restore Well, and you know, when I made the change, you know, I didn't make the change till I think my oldest one was about 10 years old and my dad would have been then 81 at the time. Um, I had to lay down some pretty tough rules. Like this is my time. Like I actually had to wrestle it back, you know, make no mistake when you've been doing everything for everybody for a decade, they're not going to go quietly into the dark night when you start pulling back. And there is pushback and you just have to hold your ground and know that everybody will be better for it. That's very true. 
It, it really is true. But I think you're really pointing out you have to take care of yourself. You have to be educated enough to know what to do. You have to be kind to yourself. You have to have courage. You have to just move on. And it's each day at a time. That's why we don't look too far ahead because that can be overwhelming. It will. Absolutely. Like the only thing I look forward ahead for is like, what do I need to order on the internet? That's going to take a week to get here. And, you know, making sure that like I get my dad's medications, like that's priority, Mm -hmm. but everything else can wait. You know, you can run to the store and pick up cookies for a school event. You can, you can, I mean, I made bookmarks one year. I got so snowed under with everybody. (laughs) And then my kid comes in and he's like, mom, he's like, you're snack mom tomorrow. You're this mom for this. And I'm like going, okay, I cannot materialize 25 oranges and you know, everything that I needed to be snack mom. And then he's like, yeah. And he goes, it's, it's since my birthday's in the summer, Friday is the day we're celebrating my birthday in class. So I'm like, what the heck am I going to do? And so I found all this old Halloween candy I had stuffed in the freezer. I made these little candy balls. They weren't oranges, but at least they were round. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty close. Okay. Yeah, that was the closest I got. And then, but for the birthday thing, like, you know how everybody brings in cupcakes and they do all this stuff for the classroom. I'm thinking, crap, I got nothing. But I did have all this paper and I had all this ribbon left over from a project I did. So I sat there with my fancy scissors and I cut out 36 um, bookmarks and then I made a furled ribbon on them, you know, like the boys had blue polka dot ribbons. And I sat there with a Sharpie till two o'clock in the morning and I wrote each of their names on it in like dots, you know, like, like pretend dotty fonts. And I'm like, they thought it was the coolest thing. Well, see, you're super mom. I want to bring in what our dear friend Lorraine Hamilton has said. When we say to ourselves, I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. I'm fill in the blank. Add one word to that sentence and you'll feel differently. Remember what the word is? Feel. I feel this. I feel exhausted. I feel overwhelmed. It takes some of the power out of it. It doesn't make it so personally condemning. Right. And feelings are liars. Mm -hmm. You know, anybody who believes that feelings are truth, you know, Try this one on for size. You know, when my kid was in the, was in the hospital, um, a nurse came over to me and said, you know, you really need to get him to, to behave. You need to get him to grow up. You need to be. And I looked at her like, mm. are you kidding me? Because my kid was really big. You need big. to leave. Yeah, right. but he was big. He was long. He looked like, you know, he kind of had that, that toddler look. But right. He was the size of a four-year-old. Just behavioral, he was still two. And so she just, she just was awful. And so I was holding him as his like leg flops over and his head flops over and I'm trying to comfort him like this big giant baby. And, you know, I was cursing her till the day is done. And then she came back to me like five minutes later and she goes, you know what? She goes, I am so sorry. I owe you an apology because I looked at his chart. He's only a year and a half. I thought he was four because he was asleep. You know, he wasn't talking or anything. And she said, you know, I've been working two shifts back to back and I know I'm not supposed to. I'm really tired. I'm really cranky. And she goes, I have a new baby. She gave me all this information. Mm -hmm. So that information changed my feelings. So those feelings were actually lying to me. I mean, they were based on misinformation when the quote unquote truth came out. Context is everything. Yep, it was one 
crabby mother to another. Like really, that's what it was. <laughs> and we both laughed and we had a good time. And I saw her years later, you know, at the same medical center. And she's like, Hey, she's like, you're the mom with the big baby. How big is he now? I'm like six, three, 220 pounds with a size 16 foot. And he just turned 14. She goes, <laughs> I could have told you that. Like, but you know, so the feelings, we can't act on our feelings. We just can't. No, they need a little bit of interpretation and put into perspective which we don't always have the perspective when we're exhausted or overpressured or we're pushing ourselves too hard. Right. And spreading ourselves too thin. And I think that's mm -hmm. where, you know, self-care comes from and it'll keep you from yelling at the person at the front desk. It'll not always. allow you, not always, <laughs> but, it'll, but it'll help you, you know, to, and you yes. know, when you're not under high emotion. You can think better. You can think more clearly. You can right. problem solve better because right. one of the things about veteran caregivers, man, problem solving is like constant. breathing. Mm -hmm. Well, it's constant, but you become very good at it, yeah. which what I, I like to say is, you know, do you realize all you've learned? I mean, these are things that people take classes on to learn how to do. And you've learned them OJT, on-job training. Right, on-the-job training. Well, that's funny because, you know, I, I work sometimes in this real estate office, Linda, and, and women come in all the time, you know, newly licensed real estate agents and mm -hmm. like, like, well, for the last 10 years, I was a mom. And I'm like, oh, good. That means you know how to multitask. Organize, you know how to get more done than anyone else. Right. You're not going to take it personally. If somebody pukes on your shoe, you're just going to clean it up and, and, you know, carry mm -hmm. forward. Mm -hmm. um, but I did, I had one lady come in who was telling me like she was a veteran caregiver for her father and mm -hmm. she had younger kids and she's like, you know, he's passed on now. And she goes, my kids are in high school, so I'm ready to come to work. And I looked at her and I said, this is going to be so much easier. <laughs> exactly. Because it's much more structured. The home well, life yeah. is not terribly structured. No, and there's, you know, there's surprises here, but they're predictable surprises. And it's like, you're just going to have to do one job, not four. And she just about fell over. Like, you know, because she was so nervous thinking, oh, I'm coming back to work, you know, after 10 years and nobody's going right. to want me. And I'm like, wow, those deliverable skills. That come you on over. Down, come right. on down. Like, pull up a seat. Excellent. It's all point. perception. And context and perspective. And you oh, just added value to her where she wasn't sure she had value to offer. That's important. Yeah. Well, there's, there's that caregiver getting worn down to the nub thinking you're not good at anything because the other thing too, Linda, like this was really important for me to finally recognize is the concept of good enough. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be good enough. And, you know, for especially some of our high achiever moms, you know, we want results. We want things to go a certain way. And I have to remind myself every day, it's good enough. Mm -hmm. What you did is good enough. Very true. Because it never looks the way we want. You know, I remember recently I had a lunch date with a veteran caregiver mom who's a full-time working mom with two kids. And she's like, I want to come and have lunch with you. I just want to sit for a half an hour. Well, we made our plans for 1130. We both didn't get together until one o'clock. I brought uh, Chick-fil-A sandwiches. She grabbed a salad from the gas station while she was getting gas. And I had to crawl through my front window because my dad left with the keys. Do you remember this? My dad left with the keys. And I, I come home in the rental car and the house is locked tight as a drum. So 
she said to me, you know, in my dream, I imagined us getting together and having a ladies who lunch lunch. You know, we had arranged to go to this restaurant and then her kid got sick and then I had to get a rental car that I couldn't find my dad. So we ended up eating semi-fast food and gas station food at my kitchen table. And I, you know, was dusty from climbing through the window and taking the screen out. And she was just haggard from running around. And we're like, boy, didn't this look so different in our So glamorous. Yeah. (laughs) But you got time together. We did. And that was what was most important after all. And I guess, you know, that's the one thing that I'll leave today, you know, for our listeners that you've so eloquently put, like at the end of the day, what really matters? Was it that you got the laundry done on time or that you had some time with your dad that was memorable? Mm-hmm. You can't manufacture the memories. No. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, Linda Crater, people can find you at veterancaregiver.com. Yes, ma'am. And what can they find there? And you can go on your Facebook group too. You have a real robust Facebook group. I Tell do. Us about that. Uh, the community on Facebook is very supportive of one another. There's a lot of information exchanged. And on the website, there's a lot of education and information that will help you navigate the system. Little short videos, two and a half minutes long. And you really do benefit from learning as much as you possibly can and then passing it forward. It's a team that you're joining. You maybe didn't want to join this team, but you're on it. And so make yourself the most passionate, courageous, wonderful caregiver you can be. And valuable player. For Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd, this is Military Mom Talk Radio. Check out Linda Crater at VeteranCaregiver.com. Also check out her Facebook page, Veteran Caregiver. And hang in there. It will get easier. For Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd and Linda Crater, have a great week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.